Thank you, choir. Beautiful piece. Well, we've had a, a lot to do this morning, and we should have a sermon to go. Hope you're, hope you're buckled up and ready. It's 11.08. Gives me 20 minutes. That's what they gave me the other night, the back of Lord. I actually got it in. I won't do that today since I'm here, but uh, maybe we will. We'll see. Probably not. Ernest Hemingway is an author I'm sure many of you have read. His novels like The Old Man and the Sea, For Whom the Bell Tolls, A Farewell to Arms, used to be pretty standard fare in assigned literature readings in school. Hemingway uh, committed suicide with a, a gun. He shot himself in 1961 after a life that had carried him around the world, saw him become internationally recognized, included four marriages, many mistresses, and a life soaked in alcohol. He was only 60 when he killed himself in his Idaho home. His fourth wife called to report it. Hemingway's father was a physician, his mother a musician. His grandparents attended Evangelical Wheaton College, where Billy and Ruth Graham went. And so there were Christian roots in his home and in his background. But his mother showed him little grace. He went off to war. He was wounded. Saw a lot of things as a young man that perhaps would have been better had he not seen, as many young men who saw those things um, experienced that going to war. But he became quite immoral. And his mother detested his immoral lifestyle that he came to embrace, and she eventually would not allow him in her presence. She did some horrible things that surely left their mark. Researchers tell us that one year for his birthday, she mailed him a cake along with the gun that his father had used to kill himself. Another year, she wrote a letter to him telling him that a mother's life is like a bank. She said, when a child is born... Your account with your mother is very large and seemingly inexhaustible. Over time, though, she said, the child makes withdrawals and no deposits. Later, she wrote that when the child grows up, he or she has the responsibility to replenish the bank in specific ways, which she enumerated for her son. Flowers, fruits or candy, secretly paying the mother's bills. And above all, she wrote to him this, quote, stop neglecting your duties to God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. Hemingway never got over the hatred he had for his mother and also her Savior, and he went out into eternity rejecting Christ. Unfortunately, both Hemingway and his mother got it wrong in their relationship, and they provide for us an example of how it should not be done. They would have both been better off if they had truly listened to Christ She on the grace side, he on what the Word of God would say. If they'd listened to the Word, if they had sought to build their lives off the model and precepts we find in the Scripture. Well, on this Mother's Day, I'm going to interrupt our series on being light to the world, luminaries, to focus for a few moments on the subject I'm referring to as a word to the wise that I hope will help us move in the right direction as families and parents, even though today I'm probably coming down a little harder, more specifically on the child side of things. I started to ask all of our students today 
to go sit with your mothers during worship to uh, just show your honor to them today, but I didn't ask you to do that. But I do hope that you will listen way up there in the rafters uh, today as we uh, make our way through this message. Our text today is Proverbs chapter 1, and I want to read verses 8 through 19, and it will serve basically as sort of the background for what I, I want to talk about today. Proverbs 1, 8 through 19, if you're visiting with us, we're in a series in the morning services on, called Luminaries, on Jesus calling us to be the light of the world, and how do we work that out practically in life. We've uh, done four messages there. You can always go to our website at concordbaptist.com and find the sermons and the PowerPoints. If you want a DVD, you can get that through our office, and you can also go to the church app and find uh, the audio and PowerPoints there as well. Proverbs 1, beginning in verse 8, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us, and we'll share all the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. The Proverbs, 31 chapters. I've never preached to you through the Proverbs. I'm not about to start that right now. We're in another series. But Proverbs, one for each day of the month. If you read one a day, you can go through the whole book in a month. The Proverbs are part of what is called the wisdom literature of the Bible. They're instructions on how to live a life of wisdom how to live in the most prosperous way, how to avoid a lot of trouble, how to avoid pitfalls, and they extol virtues to which one should aspire. Now, when you read the Proverbs, you need to remember this. Your Bible is made up of different types of literature, and you don't interpret all of the literature in the same way. So this is wisdom literature. And as you read through the Proverbs, you're not usually reading uh, hard and fast promises or precepts. Proverbs are not written in that way, not usually asserting some hard truth. And if you read them as if they are, you'll be disappointed, for they're asserting what is generally true, as has been found out by reason and experience. But they're not asserting certain things will always be true. So, for example, Proverbs 15.1 says that a soft answer turns away wrath. That is, if somebody's really mad at you, and the temperature is turned up really high. Proverbs says a soft answer turns away wrath. Well, that is usually true, but it is not true in every circumstance. It's always right to draw upon that wisdom where anger is present. I remember drawing upon that once when I was a a young man who had just really come back to Christ, and I probably was a little overzealous, and I had another guy that worked with me who was quite older who wanted to whip me about the head one day because of 
me talking about Jesus so much. And um, got in a room and lowered the temperature and spoke a soft answer and talked through some things, able to turn it around to be a, a time to witness to him as well. And so it worked in that particular situation. There are other situations in life where you may have tried that and somebody punch your lights out. So this is a general truth that we should try. And the Proverbs are written in that way. Now Proverbs... They assert over and over again, these 31 Proverbs, as we find here in chapter 1 and in other places in this book, that in God's plan, He has arranged the family whereby He gives parents to instruct children in wise living. And so as you read through the Proverbs, you hear over and over again, listen to me, my son. The father says this, the mother says that. And so in the Holy Spirit's wisdom, He has given us parents to teach us wisdom. This literature is full of wisdom, but also to teach us the commands of God, the precepts of God, the gospel that we find in the Word of God. And so he's arranged the family in this particular way. Beyond these Proverbs, however, for followers of Jesus, there are specific commands that we are to follow and principles we're to follow in relationship to our parents if we're children and in relationship to our children if we're parents. And so... On this day called Mother's Day, designated that by our culture, it kind of provides us a good opportunity to think about this a little bit way. A word to the wise. A word to the wise would be to consider what God has to say to us in this area. And so this morning I, in particular, want to talk about that. And I am in particular speaking to those of you who may still be living at home with your mother or who may still be under the authority of your parents. You may be in college. But you're still under the authority of your parents. You have not married. You're not on your own nickel. I know what that's like, at least on the parent side. And so you're still under their authority in that way. So what do we learn today And just a simple message as we think through these things a bit? First of all, we learn that wise people listen to their parents. One inspired truth that the Holy Spirit is seeking to convey among the wisdom that's here that's generally true, the inspired part about the hard and fast thing about the Proverbs here is to tell us that wise people listen to their parents. This is set in contrast as you read through the Proverbs with the fool. And so you have the contrast of the wise person and the foolish person. And the foolish person will be the one who spurns the teaching and the leadership of their parents, as opposed to the wise person who follows after their parents. One's a fool, one is not. And so as you think about this, and wisdom, as you and I are thinking about motherhood in particular today, one thing a child or a student under your parents' authority should commit to doing in your life is to stop and listen to what your mother has to say, since they are our focus today. Listen to what your parents, what your mother is trying to say to you. God has put that person in your life to be a source of wisdom. That is his gift to you, even as Jerry Jo alluded to in her prayer a few moments ago. Now, this is generally wise because of all the people on the planet, in normal circumstances, your parents are going to be the people who will love you the most and have your best interest at heart. Now, I realize in the world in which you live, there are not many voices telling you to really learn to listen to your parents. 
Parents and cultural portrayals we find in movies and television and literature are often not put in the best light. I mean, just in preparing for this, I, I went and scrolled, I looked up uh, movies related to families and parents over the past 15 to 20 years. Some of them I've seen, some, of them, some I have not, some that I've not, I've read reviews on through the years. But as you scroll through these biggest movies over the past decade or so, you usually find one theme in most of these movies is the home is broken. And if the home is not broken, they're out of balance with some strange figures heading them or being a part of the leadership in those homes or the mother or the father portrayed in negative ways. I don't need to give you the titles. It's the same often on television once you get beyond the animated versions and it's trickling down to them as well. And so as we think about where our culture is, I have much sympathy in my heart for children in our general culture being raised in homes where Christ is not Lord because that's really what a lot of the homes are like, what we see portrayed in those, uh, in those movies. But for most of you in this room with parents who are believers, who are seeking to teach you, who are seeking to be good models of good things for you, who are seeking to pour into you in their life with every ounce of their strength, you would be wise to listen to them. Now, this does not mean that your parents always get it right or that you do not see your parents making mistakes or committing sins. Because you're living with sinners, and they're living with you, and you're a sinner. And sometimes you see them mess up badly and bring pain into your life, which we see way too much today with people walking away from their marriages or blowing up their marriages with their sin. Nevertheless, generally, your parents are going to seek to lead you in the right way if they're professing believers, even if there's been brokenness in the home. If they're following, trying to follow Christ, and they've repented of where they've messed up, they're the people that God has put there to love you the most and to give you wisdom in how to live, and you should listen to them. That's what Solomon is trying to say. Don't be a fool and discount the teaching of your parents. Be wise and listen to them. There's a lot of reasons it's wise for us to listen to our parents. I don't have time to talk about a lot of them, but just a couple. One, it's wise to listen to their instruction because, among other things, they've lived more life than you have. They're the closest people to you who's lived farther down the road than you have that you can talk to, that you have an immediate source of somebody that's experienced a part of life that you may not have gone through yet. And you get that for free. You don't have to go pay somebody to get that counsel. They're right there in the home with you. And they've lived more, seen more than you have. Some of that idea is brought out at places in the Proverbs. If you go to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30, and he's talking here about being a person who works hard, being diligent. In Proverbs 24, verse 30, he says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. He's teaching his son here the importance of hard work. 
be a lazy person and the weeds will take over everything in your life. The sluggard. But he says, I learned this by observing the sluggard. I walked by his house and I saw the weeds growing up on the wall. I saw everything in disrepair. And I put my mind to learn from this. And now I'm seeking to pass it on to you. And so one reason you should always listen to your parents in this context of wisdom is that they have lived more life in you. And so as you come in age into your middle school and teen years, I want to say if you're a Christian in this room as a, as a student, it's important to remember that while they may not talk about it much, your parents were once your age. And now they're much older with much life experience that you don't have, even though there's the great temptation to begin to think that you know more than they do. And I think every parent in here could attest that there comes that point in the life of a teenager where they are crazy and they begin to think that they know more than you. Right? Maybe y'all didn't experience that, but I did. I like Walter Williams, the economist description. Walter Williams is probably in his late 70s now, but I heard him on the radio one day describing what often happens to teenage boys, and he was talking about his own life, and he said, that, he said it happened to me when I was about 12 or 13. He said, you know how these young men, he said, uh, you get this prideful attitude when you're a teenage boy. He said, you go around and start smelling yourself, and you think that you're an adult. I loved that. He said his mother smacked him down. <laughs> Remember that you are not grown. In fact, you have an advantage that the people reading here did not have. And science has helped us to see that your brain isn't even fully formed yet. Matter of fact, scientists say that male brains do not fully form finish their formation until about 25 years of age. You have a long way to go. So remember you're not grown. And also, you should listen to their wisdom because they know what caused them pain or led them down wrong paths in their lives, what mistakes they made that they don't want you to go through. And I wish I could take every generation that comes along and set them down and say, all right, here's all the stuff that we really blew it. Please don't do it. But human nature and sin, it just seems to be repeated, doesn't it, in every generation. But if you're really seeking wisdom and wanting God to guide you in your life, you need to honor this idea of listening to the wisdom of your parents because they are people who want you to avoid pain in your life. They don't want you to make the same mistakes. Perhaps they're not comfortable talking about it. This may be at the basis of exchanges that, you know, we sometimes have with our children. Mom, I want to go do this with so-and-so. And mom says, no. And then you say, y'all know it, don't you? Why? And mom says, because I said so. That was always perplexing to me. I remember one time I wanted to stay out past one in the morning as a teenager and talking to my parents, and the word was, no, you cannot stay out after one in the morning. 
And I said, why? Which is probably not wise with my dad saying it, but I said it anyway. And the answer was, nothing good happens after one in the morning. And I thought, there must be a story somewhere in that, in their life. I didn't pry any deeper. And as I raised my children, you know, it sometimes made perfect sense to throw down that card. You're not doing this because I said you're not doing it. But seriously, you know, your parents may use the trump card like that because there may be mistakes that they made at a point or things that arose in a situation that maybe they would talk to you later in life where you're more prepared to handle what they need to say to you. But at that point in life, you've got to develop some level of trust in your parents and to seek to listen to the wisdom that's there because they may have gone through some bad things in their life and they want to avoid to help you avoid it without going into all of the details. They're not obligated always to tell you why. They just may know that if they let you go down a trail, there are dangerous curves ahead that can hurt you, and they know to put up a stop sign. And wisdom would tell you in general to trust your mother's judgment and listen to what she says to you. And I would say as you move into your teen years and college years where the tendency and pressure is not to do that, that it is even more wise to listen to your mothers then than it was when you were younger. Moms often have, I found, another gear, another sense about people, an intuition at times about situations by which they can protect you if you will listen to their counsel. I tell you this, in 30-something years of ministry, in counseling with people and dealing with situations, I have dealt with situations where moms have had an intuition about something with someone somebody's involved in or whatever, and they pray about it. They have to wait it out. They've given good counsel, and sometimes, I'm telling you this, it's actually perhaps saved somebody's life. Have wisdom to listen to them. If your mom says when you're 18, I don't think you need to be dating him or her or hanging out here or there, don't just blow them off and say, I'm an adult legally now. They may not always be right, but they often are. And I can guarantee you when they tell you such things, they're doing so out of a heart of love for you and a desire to protect you to the best of their ability. There's a second thing we can learn here today as well, and that is that committed people submit to their parents. As I said, beyond the wisdom of these things. If you're a follower of Jesus, God takes this farther along with you and me. If you're a Christian, we have an even higher calling when it comes to our parents. Simply put, we're commanded to submit to our parents, to obey our parents as long as we're under their authority. As long as they do not tell us to do something that is disobedient to the will of God, we're to obey them. Paul in Colossians 3.20 put it this way. It could not be more clear when he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And as you're sitting here listening to me, or perhaps even half listening, in this verse and others like it, God is speaking directly to you. If you're living under the authority of your parents, God is saying directly to you, Obey your parents. Now, you know this letter to the Colossians, it's in our Bibles. We have 66 books, but it was once a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Delivered by hand to this church in the town of Colossae. 
And later it become part of the Bible along with other letters and the Gospels. Paul's letters from early on were considered Scripture, that is, God's Word, before they were ever all put together. Peter, in his letter, 2 Peter, talks about people twisting Paul's writings as they do the other Scriptures. And so we here have the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3 putting Paul's letters, this letter, on the same level as the whole Old Testament at that point. And so when this letter would come to the church on a worship time on the Lord's Day, as we're sitting here today, the whole letter of Colossians would have been read publicly to the church. And so they would come to this point to the children in the congregation. And children here is a term that's elastic. It could be people that are, that are older. And it says, children, obey your parents in everything. It's pretty expansive, isn't it? For this pleases the Lord. You know, our best example of living under the authority of parents is Jesus himself. He was perfect, yet in his human nature, as we read in our call to worship, he had to learn obedience. And that came in part in his obedience to his mother, Mary. And we read that passage where at 12 years of age, they've been up to Jerusalem for a festival. Jesus goes into the temple. He's debating with the scholars festival's over they go home they're separated they realize he's not with them they go back to find them they find him perplexing the scholars with his questions his mother said don't you know how worried we've been over you they don't understand what he says when he says I must be about my father's business I had to be my father's house but the text says that Jesus went home with them and he obeyed his parents and he is fully God fully man sinless but he obeyed his parents. What a great example. And let me just add this. While I have interrupted our series on being light to the world today, I would say to you as a student or young adult under your parents' authority that one of the best ways you can be a light to your peers is to be obedient to your parents with the right attitude, and your peers know that. They know that you're a person who loves Jesus. You believe God gave you the parents he gave to you, and as long as they don't tell you to do anything sinful, you're going to be obeying them and submitting to their authority. And you do that out of your commitment to Christ and because you want to be wise. And I promise you, if you'll live like that, you'll stand out among your peers. goes against the grain of our culture. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 that one of the signs of the last time will be that people are disobedient to their parents. And so if your peers know you're doing this out of your commitment to Christ, it's going to be a powerful light them I want to skip ahead so we can finish up I had a story there but I want to move on I would say this before I move to the next one if you're at the point of age where you're looking for a mate in your life and you find somebody who walks in rebellion against their parents does not obey them then you ought to have the wisdom that you don't want to marry somebody like that. Third thing, quickly, mature people always honor their parents. So in Ephesians, parallel passage, what we read in Colossians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And then he says, honor, another word here, your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Mature people always honor their parents. So mature people wisely listen to the wisdom of their parents. Mature people obey their parents because Christ commands them to. And mature people, mature followers of Jesus, they honor their parents. 
Now the word honor here, this verse 2 is tied to the Old Testament out of the, the commandments. It's called honor parents. But in the New Testament, it's found in five other places. There are six places you find this, this calling in the New Testament to honor your parents. Honor has to do with love and respect related to obedience. So what does it look like practically? Well, practically, it would look like, look like this. When your parents tell you to do something, give first-time obedience. Act when they ask you to do something, or when they tell you not to do something. First-time obedience. That's how you honor your parents. Secondly, speak respectfully to them. Out of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. And so, as you interact with your parents, and you may disagree about something, you always honor them by speaking respectfully to them. This also applies to when you're walking away or out the door muttering under your breath. That is not respectful. Honor them. Forgiving. They are not perfect, neither are you. And if they're called to forgive you, you must walk in forgiveness of them. Honor your parents also by at least listening to them when you're not under their authority anymore. Even when you're grown. Perhaps even when you get married. and you, When you get married, you need to cut the cord of dependence. That is on their money and allegiance that you are most um, tied now to your mate. But even at that point in your life, we still should honor our parents who would care enough to want to talk to us about something where they see an issue going on. They still have the right to at least speak to you about something, even if you don't take their counsel. And you should always respectfully hear them out. And finally, we're to take care of our parents. 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul talks about taking care of our parents. Here dealing with widows and keeping them off of the list of widows in the life of the church where they would have been taken care of. There was no social safety net. In 1 Timothy 5, 3 and 4, he says, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and their grandparents. He says more about it in verses 8 and 9. In fact, he says, if you have a parent or a grandparent and you're a Christian and you don't try to take care of them and they have a need, you're worse, the Scripture says, than an unbeliever. That's pretty strong. And so we are to take care of them. Now as I close, let me just share a word to the hurting. I know some of you come from very broken situations. Some of you grew up and your parents really weren't even in your life. I mean, that's where you are now. Perhaps due to drugs, alcohol, perpetual bad relationship choices. You brought a lot of pain in your life. They're not there. They were not there for you. It was not a healthy situation. And for some of you, it may have flowed out into your life. I know some of you who may be in here who maybe you're part of the Haven of Rest, Rescue Mission. You're trying to deal with issues of following Christ and leaving behind drugs and alcohol, and it's just flowed down from you from a family in a broken, bad situation. Or maybe you are in that type of a situation right now as a young person in your life. There's so much of that in our society. I encourage you to find mothers and grandmothers here. There are a lot of them who would love to invest in your life. 
And I watch them invest in the lives of young people in this church. Never be afraid to reach out to us and let us help you in that way. And honor your parents, even if they were not good leaders and are in no shape to lead you now. You always honor them. And I want to say this is also a challenge for all of us. That we must model as best we can what it means to be followers of Jesus. We sin, we confess it, we work it out and move beyond it. We also are trying to model how to live in the right way. And we must always remember that among us, there are people that are going through horrible things in their lives. You may not know it. Sometimes I know it. You may not know it. Going through difficult situations, brokenness due to bad choices being made around them. We want to be the most healthy community we can be for people to find hope. And if you're an adult and you're like Hemingway and it was just horrible, I encourage you to really forgive whatever went on in the past. Don't hold it over them and chart your own future. You do not have to be what your parents were or failed to be. Christ will help you go in a new direction. Well, I hope this word encourages you in your heart today. Thank you, moms, for who you are and what you do. Our hymn of commitment is just as I am. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. If you need to come today to talk to us about asking Christ in your life, we'd love to share that with you. If you need to come for baptism, we encourage you to take that step or to become a part of this fellowship, whatever God would lead you to do, we invite you to come. Now, Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to apply it. God, give our students, those living under the authority of their parents, wisdom to heed the counsel, wills to obey and honor and submit for your glory, and to trust you as you put these people in their lives for their good and your glory. For those who are hurting and wounded, just haven't had a good experience, it's been just a mess, some needing to see a, a mom modeled in a right way. Lord, give them the grace to call on us, to let us know. And then, Father, we can help put around them, Lord, people who will pour into them and love them, open their homes up to them. And Father, be a mom and a grandmother to them. Thank you for so many in this church who have that kind of a heart. Bless us now as we sing in Jesus' name.